Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to Of The Essence with Liz. I am Liz, and I'm excited to bring you a new episode where we did a deep dive into open relationships and polyamory. This has been a topic I've just been intrigued by recently, and I have met a few coworkers who are involved in these sorts of relationships, so I figured why not have one of them on the podcast. So today our special guest is Evan, a friend that I met over at the box office. He has been in some what he calls primary polyamorous relationships, I believe. We get into kind of the definitions and all of that at the beginning of the episode. But yeah, I was really excited to pick his brain on this topic. I have also been in open relationships. Um, They weren't as conscious as they could have been. Communication was not there. I mean, one of them I'm not even going to count because it was in high school. And the other one was sort of one-ended. So It made it tough to have the communication aspect really there. But yeah, we talk about all this stuff in the episode and a lot more. So if this is a topic that intrigues you or just you're curious about, then this is definitely the episode for you. I also want to thank all of you who submitted your feedback on the poll. That was super interesting to see all those results. And it seems like most of you are not personally interested in open relationships, but That doesn't mean that it's not a curious topic still. And who knows, you might be intrigued as to why other people are interested. And that's one of the first questions that I ask. So I think even if you're not personally interested in pursuing an open relationship, that this episode also still could be of interest. So I am super excited for you guys to hear this one. And I will say that it is not safe for work. We do get into some topics around sex. So just a forewarning there. And yeah, as always, I love to hear your feedback. So let me know how you felt about this episode and let me know what sort of content you are wanting. I always love hearing from you all and I so appreciate you for listening. So I love you so much and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, hey, we're back on the podcast. Welcome, welcome. Today we have Evan with us. Evan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Liz. Pleasure to be here today. Happy to have you. Can you just give a quick little intro of yourself? Absolutely. Um, My name's Evan. I'm from Miami, Florida, originally residing in Denver. I'm a live music industry professional. And uh, yeah, I've been polyamory for the last like 10 years. Yeah, so Evan and I connected at the box office in one of his many music gigs, and I noticed that a lot of our friends from the box office in particular are into polyamory, open relationships, all that kind of stuff, and this has just been a topic I've been interested in lately. So Evan, having a lot of experience with it, I was curious to have you on. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show. I look forward to sharing my uh, wealth of knowledge and uh, letting the people online and folks at home know a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's just dive right in. Well, first of all, what's your current relationship status? So right now, I call my I would refer to myself as solo poly, meaning I'm single with no connective partners, but uh, still open to any and all relationships in their different forms that would come my way. Okay, very cool. And 
So what draws you to an open relationship in general? I think the internet is partly to blame slash take credit for why I um, find myself drawn to polyamory. I think 50 years ago is a lot easier to fall in love with someone from your hometown and say, this is it. But as the world got larger with the internet, it also got smaller. You know, it's, it's easy to connect with others in a meaningful way, whereas it was much harder uh, several decades ago. I think that it's almost unfair to the health of yourself and your partner or partners to need one person to satisfy all of the things that you want. You know, one person that is going to check off every single box. And uh, we're not limited so much by that these days. And, you know, alternate, alternate as in non-monogamous relationship styles are a cure for that ennui, as I would refer to it. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second here. So, you know, you, you mentioned looking at one partner as fulfilling all of your needs. But realistically, I mean, yes, your partner is obviously a main relationship, but it only is one relationship in your life. You have, you know, the relationship with yourself, you have your family, friendships, plenty of other relationships to fulfill needs. So why, why do you think people do look to their partner to fulfill all their needs. I think I maybe misspoke. I meant like all of my uh, romantic or physical or more sensitive needs, like my emotional needs. You know, I think it's, I think that friends and family are, they're obviously important to a lot of people, myself included, but you know, I, I can't really go to uh, some of my guy friends and ask them to play with my hair and tell me everything's going to be okay sometimes. I also think that there's so many things to explore in this world, at least when it comes to love, affection, and relationships, that you're almost doing yourself a disservice by not experiencing all that the world and the beautiful people of this world have to offer. Okay, that's interesting. I like that reframe. So, okay, let's rewind for a second. I just want to kind of get a definition of polyamory or whatever it is that you're practicing got you so in the like non-traditional relationship sense polyamory is the method of attachment whereby you have committed relationships to more than one person polyamory itself is kind of a bastardization of words poly meaning many in latin amory meaning greek for love Whereas it should be actually polyphilia or multi-amory is the correct term if you're sticking to Greek or Latin. And then, of course, there are different subsets of polyamory. But um, for what I practice is a hierarchical polyamory, or at least that was what I most recently practiced in my recent relationship. And so what does that mean? That means that one primary partner is at the top of the hierarchy? Correct. So, and there's all different kinds of polyamory and different iterations but in hierarchical polyamory there is a primary coupling so usually you know whoever your main partner is and in hierarchical polyamory those people are the most important people in the relationship the antithesis to this is called kitchen table polyamory and that's where everybody kind of sits at a kitchen table and decides what's best for everybody together which i am not ashamed to say does not quite get my ego satisfied as much as hierarchical polyamory. Okay. Let's talk about like your most recent experience. You had one primary partner, but then 
you also had other partners who not only were you sexually relating to, but you also considered to be having like relationships with those people. Correct. My last experience with that um, was a couple of years ago. My partner and I, both of us were living some distance away from each other, but would see each other rather frequently. And, um, you know, we set some limitations on our relationship, on how hers and my relationships would be different as opposed to the other relationships that we had, you know, whatever those kind of looked like. And I would say that the most important thing about polyamory is definitely communication, talking and having really, really difficult conversations, especially about things that are messy or, you know, that hurt you is probably, I would say, the cornerstone of polyamory. But um, yeah, her and I both had a, you know, both considered ourselves, our, each other, the most important relationship in our lives. But then we also pursued other sexual and emotional relationships with others in our areas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so was it, do you think it helped the relationship that you actually lived in different places because you were able to more fully, like, emerge with the other relationships in the place you live um perhaps i think that you know i think that being away from your partner for in a substantive way leads to you know feelings of not being desired even when you are desired even when your partner is communicative and fulfills your words of affirmation it's rather easy to um you know feel alone when they're not there So having other partners that could fulfill my physical needs or my touch needs or my um, emotional space needs um, helped me bridge the gap as far as being satisfied. Okay, that makes sense. You mentioned communication is the most crucial aspect to making it work. So can you talk a little bit about what sorts of tough conversations you would have with your primary partner? For sure. So um, every par- every partnership is a little bit different. People prioritize different things in their relationships. My previous relationship, one of the things that we prioritized was safe sex, whereas her and I would have unprotected sex when we saw each other. We didn't have unprotected sex with any of our local partners, you know, the- and that can get very messy. One of the messy conversations I had to have with her was when a local partner of mine removed my protection while we were having intercourse that she was, of course, aware of. So immediately, immediately I had to stop what we were doing, let her know that she had crossed a boundary that was very important to me, and ask her to leave. Right after that, I smoked some good old ganja to calm myself down, and I proceeded to call my primary. And, you know, needless to say, she was pretty upset, but understood that, you know, my responsibility to her had been fulfilled Am I immediately communicating that with her and, you know, being open and honest about it? Mm -hmm. Um, So in light of that, we were able to move forward with our relationship. Whereas, you know, even even in a a monogamous relationship where you're open to play with others, I would see a lot of people as having a very, very big issue with that, if not one that would ruin the relationship. Yeah. Are you this is just something that just crossed my mind, but are you more so into various relationships one-on-one or does the idea of like threesome also intrigue and you explore that as well 
So I have some limited group sex experience and that intrigues and interests me. You know, that being said, I want everyone to be comfortable. And, uh, you know, I, I think that a threesome with my primary partner and another one of my partners would require at least one, if not many hours of discussion, hopefully of all of us together. I don't think it would be the kind of situation where it's like, hey, local partner, here's my primary partner. Let's have a threesome. It'd be like a, hey, let's go to the park, sit down, have a glass of wine, enjoy some tasty treats and like all hang out together. Because, you know, as much as polyamory is about me and my connection with somebody else, like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's reasonable to expect someone else to share their body with somebody else that they barely know, even if they know them through their partner. While I am somebody who appreciates having multiple people naked rolling around, it's not for everybody. And different dynamics can get people hurt. And my, my experience and the anecdotal experiences of other people in the community that I've had the good fortune to know and interact with point to feelings very often getting hurt in threesomes when there's not a pretty clear discussion of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And do most of the people that you are in relationship with also practice polyamory? Um, yeah, yeah. As far as the people that are in my life right now, of which there's only one tentative person, and I don't know that I would um, say that we've reached the level of partnership. I would say that, you know, definitely in the first the first time we hung out, I explained to them that, you know, I have this this attachment style that's very secure and that, you know, I'm not I'm not really bothered if they want to pursue other relationships. I just ask that they tell me mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily need to give me their name and their social security card. I kind of just want to know, um, you know, are they safe? Are they also communicative? Are they also respectful? Because obviously, if I'm going to have sex with somebody, that puts both of us in a ne- uniquely vulnerable position where you're not only having sex with them, you're having sex with all of their other partners they've had recently. Yeah, so. very interesting. So do you get jealous? Uh, the ephemeral question of polyamory. I would say that, Uh, My jealousy stems from not being emotionally fulfilled. I refer to it as my cup not being filled. When my last relationship was coming to an end, we were fighting and about these things that were like rather important to us. And at the time we had a, a pact where we were going to see each other once a month. And when that got disrupted, it became very difficult for me to hear about my partner being fulfilled without me being involved or without my cup being filled, as it were, um, emotionally and physically. Um, So I would say that jealousy is something that roots itself from possessiveness, from the desire to like possess something entirely. And I don't really seek to possess some somebody I seek to experience love and connection with other people so and that does not mean that I don't struggle with jealousy either you know I I try to remind myself that it is better to have loved than never at all and getting to a point where you're no longer jealous means that you're you know satisfied in the relationship and appreciative of what that person is bringing to your life Um, so to answer your question Yes, I still experience jealousy, but I have developed a means of self-reassurance that I am still loved by my partner or partners. I'm desirable and they still saw fit to bring me into their life in a really impactful and important way. And that's what I should be appreciative of rather than the fact that they get to spread their their love around. Yeah. 
Well, it sounds like you have a very secure attachment style, like you said, and you're very confident. Um, so that's great when entering into a relationship. And have you ever experienced a partner who is super jealous? And, and if so, how do you deal with that? I tend to find that jealousy is something that it comes from within. You know what I mean? It, it's something that is inherent in our, in our mental thought processes as far as feeling valued and worthy. I have had, before I was polyamorous, so as a teenager, one of my very first relationships, um, I was with somebody who was not only jealous of my attention, but jealous of my time. What that looked like at the time was I was stage acting and I wasn't able to spend quite as much time with them as I had previously before I had taken on this new hobby. And you know, like at one point I was spending multiple days doing at rehearsals and stuff like that. And my girlfriend at the time told me that um, I wasn't spending enough time with her. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, babe, but the show is this weekend. After that, I'll have plenty of time to spend with you. And she said, you know, that's not good enough for me. I need you to spend time with me when it is inconvenient. <laughs> um, so dealing with people that don't have the, such a secure attachment style is really a challenge. It's definitely not like a big old check mark that I put on the the dating roster. At this point in my life, I don't really tend to partner myself with people that are possessive that way, just because it doesn't jive well. Even if I were to choose to be in a monogamous relationship with somebody, to answer your question, yes, I've have had partners who are rather jealous, and uh, it didn't work out so hot. Yeah. So why did your most recent relationship end? Um, I have to take some responsibility for that relationship coming to an end, for sure. It started off as kind of a little bit of a, a whirlwind romance. Both of us were night owls, so uh, polite and enjoyable conversation was the bedrock of our relationship. And as time went on, I started to perceive her as having some tendencies, which I would describe as hypocritical, going so far as to say that we had differing views on things like politics and philosophy and enjoying other people's hobbies but ultimately the reason why the relationship came to an end i feel is that i felt the relationship had run its course and i did lie to her at the end and like i said open and honest communication is the bedrock of any good polyamorous relationship so um it was definitely at least uh, partly my fault why the relationship came to the end. But at the time I was in the pandemic, I'd lost my job. I was living in somebody else's house and I was coming up short on rent. She was very COVID conscious. And I told her that I had gotten a job interview for an electrician's assistant position, which I was very unqualified for. So when I got this job position, I, and we had just got done fighting and making up and God, I was hearing her laugh for the first time in weeks. And it was, it was like a, taking like a shot of oxytocin. And when I heard that and she told me, she's like, oh, the job interview is over Zoom, right? And I, I knew that going to an in-person interview, no matter how safe I was, was going to upset her. Um, so I lied. And I told her that I was going to a job interview that was digital. Her being the intelligent, powerful woman that I am find myself attracted to all the time, um, immediately sussed it out, was going to job interview in person and not one that was digital. And she 
use that as the means of telling us that our relationship was through. It was very regretful. Um, and I do regret lying about it, but at the time I just wanted to hear the happiness in her voice a little bit longer. If you hadn't lied about that, do you think you'd still be together? No, I think there were some intrinsic things about one another that we, I don't think were coming totally to grips with yet. If I hadn't have lied, I do think the relationship would have gone on, gone on further. And I also think that I might still be together with her today if there weren't a thousand miles between us. You know, if I could have gone to her and said, hey, listen, I still want to be around you. You know, I think it would have been a little different, but having to fly into where somebody lives to go have a conversation with them does not really lend itself to acts of spontaneous abatement of hostilities. Yeah, it's tough. No, uh, no makeup sex in that occasion. <laughs> no, no, there was no makeup sex to be had. Her and I have managed to salvage our friendship, which is something I'm really grateful for. And that's another thing that I, I appreciate about polyamory is that, you know, while you, where you can have other partners, I feel like the curative process, especially from breakups, can sometimes lead to the resuming of friendships a little bit sooner. Whereas I, in monogamous relationships, I, I tend to find that when I see them end poorly, they tend to fester a little bit. But that's an outside in view. What, what's your experience with things coming to an end in that way? Uh, well, I was in two monogamous relationships that at one point we decided to open it up. And I think communication was the underlying issue in both situations you know one of them we work it was kind of like a don't ask don't tell situation well actually it, it was kind of that way in both of them because in the first one I was so young I just I wasn't really like hooking up with other people because my boyfriend at the time had gone to college and whatever and you know we had some rules and one of those rules was that we weren't supposed to have sex with other people we were allowed to do everything else and we also weren't supposed to like hook up with people more than once. Do you mean like no penetrative sex? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And then with the other one, it was more so that I wanted to do it because we had become long distance. And so I wanted to be involved in the area I was in, you know, and it, there were a lot of men in the area. So I wanted to basically be able to relate to them on all levels. And, you know, he made it clear that he was not interested in anyone else. Um, so because of that dynamic, we didn't really talk about it either. Um, so I think it was it was kind of difficult and odd in both situations. But yeah, like I said, I feel that the communication was definitely what broke us down in the end. Do you think that if you were to go back at least into one of those two relationships and be like, hey, like, we shouldn't keep these things from each other. We should discuss them. You know, how well do you think your former partners would have received that? And do you think if your communication needs had been met that you'd still be in those relationships? Um, it's possible. I don't think so. Just because I believe that everything works out in the way that it should one way or another. Um I think that, you know, it could have been could have been a lot more communicative. But I also think that, you know, with my most recent partner, it would have been very hurtful to speak about those things. So that's one of the reasons why I avoided it. 
But then it was like over time, it felt like I was like hiding this part of myself. And then, right. you know, it felt like we were growing apart because of that and the distance. You know, there were pl- there were multiple factors. But yeah, one of the things that we discussed just recently was the boundaries. So I know you mentioned safe sex, but what other boundaries or rules did you have with your primary or do you have? I think it kind of depends. I'm not going to come on here and say that, you know, I have complete ego death and that I don't need something special to feel special for my special someone. I would be lying out my teeth to say something like that. And that's definitely not the case. As far as boundaries went, the other thing that my partner wanted was a clear schedule for contact tracing to alleviate COVID concerns. Um, So that meant that we each would pencil in when we'd had interactions with other people, especially sexual ones, into a shared calendar. And that didn't work out so well for me. Um, She was this beautiful, gorgeous woman who was smart and vivacious. And many men had no problems being like, yeah, I'm free two weeks from Tuesday. Sure, why not? Whereas uh, on my side, I tend to live a little bit more of a spontaneous existence. My forays or whatever you call them tended to be more spur of the moment, like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow afternoon? We should hang out. So that was definitely a point of friction between the two of us. Um, She could not understand why I also couldn't book my dates out by several weeks. And, uh, you know, I was frustrated by not having that freedom of in the moment decision. So I think that was a boundary that I probably didn't discuss as well as I probably could have and express that that was something that kind of you know, infringed on my romantic freedom, but boundaries can come in all shapes and colors. Like you're talking about your past relationship where you're allowed to do everything except for PIV, but you know, like I can't imagine being in the throes of exploring a new partner's body and, you know, orifices are getting filled, but not all of them. And then all of a sudden you stop, you stop after receiving, you know, head on either side and you say, whoa, 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 this this can't go any further. We're already both naked, but like this can't, this can't go any further. Yeah. I was a child, you know, I was, I was barely even like 18 when we came into that agreement and I was, right. it was my first love. You know, I just didn't really, we were, we had lost our virginity to each other. So yeah, I mean, it was just one of those <laughs> things, you know, the first cut is the deepest and um, for sure. I was not ready to let it go, even though he was going to college. And yeah, you know, it did eventually go down in flames because, you know, we had a conversation one time and he said, yeah, like I did have sex with someone. Um, And I said, well, you know, you 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 crossed the boundary that we had decided on. And, you know, unfortunately, it it did not end well. It was kind of one of those relationships where we both tried to blame each other and uh, yeah it was really heartbreaking for me at the time but you know after that I did try open relating again so not a total loss (laughs) would you say if you were to meet somebody who you were falling for and they told you that they were polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous by the way little difference in there ethically non-monogamous is not committing to really anybody where it's like a a non-commitment although you still want to explore the partnership Hmm. if you were to if you were to fall for somebody let's say 
and they wanted to have a boundary discussion with you, what are the boundaries that you would say would make you feel fulfilled in that relationship and safe and secure? You know, I think that's a really tough question because I've always kind of thought of myself as more of a monogamous person. So I would definitely, definitely say safe sex. And I don't even know what else I would say. I mean, I would just, I feel like I would get like all my fears and stuff would come up. And so I would just be like nervous that the person was going to leave me for someone else. And I don't even know if I'd be able to like show up as my best self in that relationship. Um, but that being said, I mean, I I would give it a shot. The old college try. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was already falling for the person, then like, can't yeah, hurt to try it out, right? For sure. And don't get me wrong, you know, like I, I'm entering a period of my life where it's increasingly more and more difficult to, you know, it's essentially third wheel syndrome, but on a much greater scale my core friend group is um, four couples and myself. So uh, sometimes I'm the ninth wheel or the seventh wheel. Um, so, you know, like I find myself in a place where, you know, if I found a partner that checked almost all of my boxes, I wouldn't forego monogamy. Um, but it would have to be a discussion where, you know, like I also felt safe to uh, disclose if I was feeling attracted to somebody else, even if I didn't act on it, you know, even if, it never went to a place where I, you know, engaged in relations and physical relations with them or emotional relations with them. I would still need to feel safe to say, wow, this person's giving me such a vibe right now. Like I would need to be able to confide that at the very least in my partner. Mm -hmm. um, I would be down to try monogamy again. See, even when you just said that, <laughs> like I, that brought up feelings in me of like, if a partner said that to me, I would feel like so, Triggered. but I know that's my own stuff. I would feel so like unworthy and all that stuff would, yeah, definitely like trigger me. Do you think that like you would need your partner to only have eyes for you? Like, no, not thing? only have eyes for me, but like, I'm fine if my partner is like, oh, that girl's beautiful or whatever, but if someone's like the vibe thing, I feel like is more of an emotional thing. Right. So once it crosses the emotional barrier is I feel like where it gets murky. Do you think that like if your partner was able to have physical relations without being emotionally involved, that that would still lead you to feeling satisfied? Or do you think that it's um, the combination of it's one or two or both kind of situation as far as what sets you off? Well, I think that, I mean, personally, it's hard for me to separate the two. So I just feel like it's a slippery slope. And, you know, I probably, you can't have one without the other. That's just my opinion. But I mean, obviously, some people have one night stands all the time. But like, I'm not that type of person. And I know that like, that can easily lead to a relationship. So I just think that I would still be concerned. Understood. Understood. Perfectly valid. Yeah. Okay. Here's my question. Do you think that it increases your desire for your primary partner by going out and hooking up with other people? I think it makes me appreciate them. I think that the grass is like humans inevitably have this grass is always greener mindset on them where like our brains think that 
and this is something that the dating apps like prey on is that th there's someone out there that's sexier that you know has more desirable body parts that has a lifestyle that you might be more accustomed to but ultimately i feel like a lot of that is a facade like a lot of that is is a miasma of uncertainty that floats around that person it's like a mystery and once you get to the last page of that of the mystery so to speak i think that that falls short most times you know, if you're in love with somebody, someone else could look attractive and alluring even. But once you satisfy yourself as far as experiencing what partnership with them might look like, whether that be in a physical sense or emotional sense, for me, it made me, it made me appreciate my partner. When I was with my former primary partner and I started, I started dating, first of all, it's bizarre because... As soon as you're desired by somebody else, it like releases this pheromone inside of you to where other people are suddenly attracted to you. Whereas previously I'd been single for at least a year. Now that I was with my partner, I was getting attention like I had never gotten it before because I was feeling so self-assured and so attractive because somebody wanted me. I was desired. Um, that being said, when I started seeing other people that, you know, even people that I thought were like, you know, holy grails where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this person is into me. I would tell my partner I was interested. Then I would, you know, go on a date with them. And obviously beforehand informed my partner, I was going on a date with them. And when things went my way, you know, I would check back in with my partner. I would say, hey, babe, like I had such an amazing time with X person last night, but you know, there was something in my heart that made me still yearn for them. It, it made my desire for them grow deeper because we had this such amazing connection. And I'm sure I'm not, you know, I'm probably not the only person that feels that way. And one of the hottest things that I've ever heard in my life, if I can go off on a tiny tangent here, was one of my partners was having sex with one of her local partners. And quality time is very important to us. So when we're hooking up with each other's partners, we let each other know so that we don't interfere. So we have quality time with our partners. And afterwards, she texted me and she's like, hey, babe, I just got back from I'm just going to call him Ryan. She's like, I just got back from Ryan's house. I was like, oh, that's that's awesome, babe. Do you have a good time? She's like, yeah, I did. And explicit comment warning for our listeners. She's like, she's like, yeah, but, you know, while I was fucking him, the only thing I could think of is that I wish it was you. And, you know, like, I think that kind of sums it up nicely is that like you can be sharing your body with somebody else but it makes you appreciate the emotions that you have for your other partner. Um, and I thought that was beautiful. And still to this day, when I'm feeling like shitty or undesirable, I think about that and it makes me blush and smile like a little schoolboy. So that's something that I, I've always appreciated about polyamory is that you can experience the dynamics of love with a counterpoint, mm -hmm. you know, with something to compare it to, um, you know, like, my previous partner, her and I, sexual chemistry was very, very, very good, like incredible. Um, one of the very first times I ever came simultaneously, orgasm simultaneously with my partner was with her. And that was just mind blowing. And ever since then, I've been like, yeah, I don't want to have sex without emotions. Like, that's the good shit. Like, I feel like I feel like I'm a weed smoker who just walked into an opium den. <laughs> so it's the point where like that set off all kinds of triggers in my brain and made me, you know, even more attached to them. So I would say that experiencing others a is a nice juxtaposition of love affection and um you know the sexual expressions of those things and you know if you're in a long-term relationship you know sometimes things just get stale and you come to take certain things for granted like the way someone gives you aftercare yeah 
Definitely. And I think that, yeah, I had a few thoughts on that. So firstly, I wanted to say that it's interesting you say that people were attracted to you once you had a partner because I heard something one time that was like basically like when you're exchanging fluids with someone, it like changes your chemistry or something. Like you can actually sense that that person is like, I don't know. I feel like it also relates to like confidence and the way you carry yourself and just like you're you're like already satisfied and you have this like aura about you. But in a way, it's like the other person is kind of like in your aura, too. I don't know exactly what it was. And that might sound very woo woo. But anyway, that was one of my thoughts. And then I definitely feel that when I was with my partner, I, I felt some of her confidence and I felt some of her sexiness like pouring into into mine. So the, and that was probably, uh, you know, what other partners are feeling as well. You know, mm-hmm. that validation is is something that like, you know, we carry inside of ourselves and in our brain. And then, the, like you said, in our confidence and the way we hold ourselves. Yeah, I definitely believe there's probably some science to the fact that if you're exchanging fluids with somebody, there's some pheromones getting fucked up in the brain for sure. Like your brain is putting out and taking in all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's something like when when you have sex with someone like you can kind of feel their like energy field around you for like 72 hours or something, which is interesting, too. But I also just think it's like dims down like maybe the desperation of being single where you don't have a partner and you're like, oh, I would like fuck anything. (laughs) Anything that moves. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like once like satisfied it's this different air about you and then I, I think I forgot one of my points but the aftercare thing is an interesting thought too especially in like the early stages of a relationship with someone because it, it can be tricky to like develop or establish what sort of communication someone wants or especially right after you you know have sex like some people might want to you know share like frames or share like just at least like have a conversation the next day whereas some people maybe you're not in a relationship so maybe they don't want to talk to you the next day right totally for me i would be upset if a person that i had sex with did not text me the following day and like and see that that's where different attachment styles and different preferences come in you know would if you just had sex with somebody would you want a text like after they left do you want it the next morning once too soon there's all these dynamics and variables that go into things, you know, like, yeah, um, especially with the, like how messy things can get with online dating. I remember when I was living in Fort Collins in 2014, I met up with a beautiful young woman and we ended up having a night together. But the way the night started was at the movies and, you know, she had ridden her scooter. This is kind of a, a, a long story, but I'll try to make it short. She had ridden her scooter to the movies. It started hailing. I said, yo, it's not safe to drive 30 minutes on a scooter in hail, like on the highway to get home. Come over to my place, you know, like we'll hang out, you know, I'll sleep on the couch if you need. And she's like, okay, but we're not having sex. And I said, okay, that's fine. Two more times on the ride home, she says, just so you know, we're not having sex. And at this point, I started to take it as a challenge. So I'm like, all right, girl, let's, let's not have sex. Like, I'm cool with it. So you get to my place and... You know, one thing, uh, you know, a back rub leads to a passion makeout and, you know, to the point where she is in the zone. She is she is ready to go. She's grabbing me by the fucking shoulders like, let's fucking do this. And I said, what happened to not having sex? (laughs) You know, and I I couldn't help but tease her. And, you know, we ended up doing the deed 
And the next morning I drop her off at her scooter. And later that day, I think that evening I go, Hey, I had a, a really magnificent time with you. Um, you know, I'd love to spend more time with you in the future. Like I know we said we weren't going to have sex, but you know, things happen and I don't regret it at all. Um, and she ended up ghosting me. I never ended up hearing from her again. Hmm. Um, so, you know, like I think that different people, um, you know, get in their feels in different ways, especially when it comes to sharing their bodies and their energies with other people. And that's maybe I'm a little woo woo for saying energies, but I really think that is what it is. You're really sharing your yourself with somebody else. So it's all preferences. And back to what we talked about communication, like as you're laying there, hey, can I text you later? Like, would you like some space after this? Like, you know, it can be very overwhelming. So um, you know, right back to communication, you know, sometimes I feel open enough to having that conversation with people after, you know, we've had sex or whatever, but other times, other times I don't. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out on the back end, but yeah. I agree, you know, like if I hook up with somebody and I don't hear for that from them for like a few days, like it definitely doesn't thrill me. Yeah, I mean, I think that on the note of her ghosting you, I think it's interesting because I used to like I imposed this rule on myself that I would not have sex with someone until like we had already been on a few dates because I sex used to like fuck with me. Like so basically I would either like fall in love with someone, but like fake love, you know, lust, like all the oxytocin, like infatuation. Yeah. Yeah. Either that, but like become like obsessive or I would be like, this person is like disgusting. Like it would literally be like, oh my God, like I need this person to like get the fuck out of my like field. Like I do not like this person. Do you think that's from what we're showing on their part or like a poor combination of sexual energies? Do you think that was what made you feel that way? Or could it be a very, very good sexual uh, session and you still feel repulsed? No, there, yeah, there was one person in particular where we actually had really good sex, but I was like, look, like, I'm not really looking for a relationship right now. And he was like, I am like, thanks for telling me. And like, I really had no, uh, no reason to say that I was not looking for a relationship. I just did not feel it with that person. And for some reason, I felt compelled to like, let them know right then and there. Whereas like in most other situations, I would just see how it goes, right? Or like feel it out a bit. But I also have felt like on your note on energy, like I have been intimate with people before and like felt like kind of like a dark energy. And it was actually this person who ended up ghosting me. And the totally. first time totally. we had sex and, and I felt this like darkness and it was so weird. And like, I just can't even like explain it other than the fact that it was like a heavy darkness. And like, yeah, he ended up ghosting me like a week or two later. But I was like, you know what? That cut my losses with that one. For sure. I mean, and you know, like, listen, it's not easy to share. Having sex is about as intimate as you can get with somebody short of like a Freaky Friday situation. Like, you know, unless you're in somebody's brain by some crazy happenstance, like, the chances are that like sex is about as intimate as you can get with somebody. And like, I think most people know right away if that intimacy is fulfilling or not. And, you know, it, it's, it would be very, it's very difficult, you know, in your defense after you're done being intimate with somebody to be like, Hey, listen, 
not really interested in relationship with you, <laughs> you know? So like a little easier to say, Hey, I'm not really looking for a relationship with anybody. And you know, that's perfectly valid. Also from the juxtaposition of a man to a woman, men are like, everybody's fucking, I'm not going to say men are nuts or women are nuts, but like everybody's fucking nuts these days. <laughs> like you find yourself in a position in a house where like you say something someone doesn't want and like your whole life can change just based on their reaction. I had a, a, a friend who shall remain nameless in high school who, you know, hooked up with somebody at a, at a 18 and over club and was dragged out of his school in handcuffs because she was 16, wow. you know, and, and that was just from somebody, you know, lying to him. He checked her ID. He asked her what, when she was born, she was using her sister's ID to get into the club. You know, she was somewhere she shouldn't be. And, you know, luckily he didn't end up going to jail or prison time. But like what I'm saying is there's all different kinds of ways that these situations can shake out and sharing yourself with somebody else and then saying, hey, I appreciate your time and space, but I've decided that, you know, this isn't something I want to pursue kind of, you know, can put someone in their feels and really set off a chain reaction that can, you know, lead to some pretty scary situations. So I don't blame you at all for being like, hey, I wasn't really looking for that. As far as the dark energy, I've been right there with you. Um, you know, I've definitely had had hookups before where at the end of it, I'm laying there and I was like, I don't feel right. Mm -hmm. like, as something doesn't feel right about this situation. I don't, I'm not filled with shame. I'm not ashamed of what I've done, but something just feels a little off here. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think that we all owe it to ourselves to trust our instincts when it comes to something like that, you know, and hundreds of thousands of years of fucking conditioning will lead us to a place where our brains or our guts will tell us something that maybe isn't necessarily in the air. Yeah. I absolutely think the right thing and i also i remembered um my other point from earlier was that for me like when you mentioned that your partner was like i wish that i was fucking you for me i feel like i almost like when i like someone or i'm intimately involved like i don't have any desire for other people at least in like the beginning stages so for me, it's like I don't have any interest in having sex with anyone else at that point. I, I feel you, you know, like the honeymoon period is real, super real. When I first got with my partner, I shirked like at the time I was talking to two other girls and I shirked both of those relationships. I told both of those girls, I was like, hey, I'm really serious about this other person. So, you know, like even even from a polyamorous mindset, I get that I get the it's like a more visceral hunger type thing to where you like you desire different, you know, like you desire them like very fully mm -hmm. when you're getting into a relationship. If you were in an ideal relationship, what would that look like? Ideal, like my ideal partner? Just your ideal like sort of relationship. Like would it be polyamory? And yeah, I guess some describe some traits of your ideal partner. I think that my like I think it's hard to pin down because everyone's so different and I don't I don't necessarily believe of taking a pre-made cookie and fitting it into a cookie cutter kind of thing like that's kind of the putting the cart before the horse in my opinion. I would say that I my ideas of an ideal relationship are varied. In one sense I would love to have a partner who like her and I would or them and I would conquer the world together and you know like 
face all of these things but you know in my brain if i if this is like somebody i would marry like you know it'd be like definitely hierarchical at, at the very polyamory at the very least but you know ultimately like I could see monogamy as going the way to go. If it, if it really is my ideal partner and the way I see her in my, or them in my brain, I could see myself as, you know, only being committed to them. And then, you know, like experiencing other people through the lens of our interaction together. I feel like the closing off all other emotional satisfactions that are anything other than platonic is a surefire way to get people to wonder what's on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener once again. Ultimately, if it's ideal, I'd like to be in a monogamous relationship that has some form of a whole pass allowance when something really <laughs> crazy comes up. That's, that's really what I, what I would imagine to be ideal. What would the hall pass be? Would it be like for a celebrity or would it be like I can cash in on this for anyone at any time? No, I'm handsome, but I'm not celebrity handsome. I'm going to be very realistic about that. I don't think any celebrities are trying to get this. That being said, you know, it, it, and not anywhere, anyone, anywhere at any time, you know, like, I feel like that cheapens the relationship that I'm already in. Like, it's if, if I'm in this kind of relationship, it's a high value relationship. So only something that's, you know, competitively also high value is going to do it for me. In the ideal relationship, if my me and my partner are together, like, and, you know, I don't really have eyes for anyone and someone comes into my life and, you know, their, their energy is just intoxicating. Then I would talk about that with my partner and be like, you know, like, hey, Liz, like there's this person that I really, really am digging. Like, I'd love to introduce you to them. This is the kind of situation where I think like I might want to hold pass on this one to see where things go. And I think that would lead to, in my mind, I'd want to take that person out on a date where we would only kiss at the end, no sex. It would not be a one and done sex kind of thing. And, you know, see what happens from there. And that's not, not cool with a lot of people. And I totally get that. And like, you know, but if I'm in love with somebody, there's a good chance that I'll pass up on a lot of things that seem rather interesting to preserve and nurture that love. Because that's the good stuff. That's the vein tapper right there is the love. Um, yeah. So, you know, like, if I was really in love with somebody, I don't see myself as desiring many other people. But, you know, like if it's something where distance is involved or they already have other partners or they're not in a part of life where they are able to commit, then I would, you know, have no problem with, um, you know, continuing in the poly life. Okay. Very long-winded answer, but. Yeah, I, I'm not good at, well, back to communication, like. If you want the short answers, like polyamory is not the way. So. <laughs> okay, we're going to play a quick game. It's red flag okay. or deal breaker. Or you can say if, if you love it, you can just say you love it too. Can we do green flag, red flag? Go ahead and I'll tell you my opinion yeah. on it. Love it or hate it. Okay. Doesn't like music. Hate it. Red flag. Deal breaker. Yeah, deal breaker. <laughs> okay. Lies. What can I ask uh, you to elaborate on that? Just lies about everything. Like, like let's let's say you catch them telling some white lies. It depends on the white lie, but that is su I would call that sus. Not a deal yeah. breaker, but like getting close, getting white close lie. to the to the end of the deal. Yeah, for sure. Okay, doesn't like children. Neither here nor there. Gremlins can be annoying. Okay, obsessed with money. Obsessed, definitely deal breaker. Okay. Still good friends with their ex. Oof, oof, oof. 
that one's hard for me. I don't ha- I'm on friendly terms with my ex, but I wouldn't say she was my friend. You know what I mean? Like not a real one. Yeah. So are they hanging out all the time? Not all the time. Here and there. But like they, they want to hang out. If the level of trust is there, I'm cool with it between her and I. And like that communication is that hot ass communication is there. I'm down with it. Like you can be friends with them. But, you know, like I would say that's like a 90% green, 10% red on that one. Oh, OK. So that's actually pretty good then. Yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to allow it to happen, but I'm going to be a little bit sus. So I'm going to examine that a little bit more closely. What about yeah. boring texter? Big red flag. Big red flag. Bad kisser. Deal breaker. <laughs> Deal breaker. Oh, if chemistry is like. Kissing chemistry is only going to lead to sex chemistry. If you don't have good kissing chemistry, you're not going to have good sex chemistry. A hundred percent. And I think of the same thing about dancing. If I don't like your dance moves, chances are I'm not going to like your moves when you're, you're doing the horizontal Roomba uh, mm-hmm. or the horizontal tango, as it were, you know, like. Yeah. Um, but yeah. If if I can't if I if I don't enjoy kissing you, chances are it's over. What about someone who is super kinky? I mean, that's a spectrum. What are we what are we talking about for super kinky? Like BDSM and all of that stuff. I have I have passing familiarities with this kind of things. I wouldn't call it a deal breaker, but that would be a, a whole conversation as right. far as what they were into. Um some things I like to say I'd try anything twice. Some things I am am very into and other things I have hard limits on. It's there's less things that I'm absolutely not into than what I am into. So uh kinky would be if someone just said, Oh yeah, I'm kinky, I would be intrigued, but not necessarily sold, if that makes sense. Okay, got it. And what about someone who's super indecisive? Super indecisive. Like she can't decide where we're going to get food. Yeah. I don't mind that a little bit, but if it's a constant thing, then I'm not really about it. Like, know what you want, girl. Like, fucking, you, do you want me? Yes? Okay, cool. Well, let's figure out some other things you want. Chinese or sushi, baby. Like, tell me what, tell me what, tell me what we're going for. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Evan. This was so fun and very enlightening, and I'm excited for all the listeners to be enlightened by uh, all of your polyamory knowledge. For sure. Well, uh, you know, if there's any listener questions or comments that come up and you want to forward them my way, please do. Thank you so much for having me on um, the EP Walsh show. (laughs) It's been a great pleasure and an honor to have my opinion considered and looking forward to more, more Batsamas conversations. All right. Well, FYI, it's it's not called the EP Walsh show, but what's it called? I'll send you the episode when it's when it's live. Okay, sick. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, looking forward to hearing how my voice translates to the online medium. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. Adios. Adios. Thanks everyone for listening. Had so much fun recording this episode with Evan, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you love it. I would be so appreciative, and I love you all so much. I hope you have a beautiful day.